you guys would just jump right into kind of gear because we want this next week for you guys to go out and collect sounds. And then the week after that, we'll actually manipulate them a little bit more. So we'll show some more examples. So what I have here is, you know, we have, there's different types of microphones, there's different types of recording devices. Um, but with all the different devices, what I like to tell you is the most important thing is proximity to the device itself, right? So this, this microphone is just a, a USB microphone that would plug into your computer, just via a USB cable. So whatever software you have on your computer, Audacity will record off of this. Uh, sound, uh, what's it called? Um, sorry. Sound, sound try, anyway. <laughs> right. any, any software, I was just blanked out on the name of the software I use all the time. Uh, so any software that you use, you can uh, use that. So this is good, but it's, it's designed to be you're close, right? It's an intimate audio, uh, rec uh, radio recording experience, right? This isn't some, this isn't the type of microphone I would use if I'm trying to record um, other effects and other sound effects within this room. Uh, so other things, so proximity. With, doesn't matter what device you're using, whether it's more high-end handheld audio recorder that you know this thing can do a lot of stuff, and I'll show you show you how it uses how to use it. Um, but what, what you really want to pay attention to is proximity, right? And the reason we care about proximity of the recording device to your audio, which is either your sound, we'll just go with, with, or with my vocals at this point, is there's, there's two main reasons. One is like the signal-to-noise ratio, right? So what that means is every device has a built-in kind of noise to it. And when, you, when you're recording, say if I just turned this on and was just recording the room and wasn't playing with it and recorded a really low level, then all the background noises, right? If we, if we just be quiet for a second, you can hear, you know, the fridge is making a ton of noise, this thing's making a ton of noise, everybody's moving. All those noises are, are, are recorded as well as a layer. So if your recorded level of what you're actually trying to get is too close to that, when you turn the volume up, that gets louder too. So you want that separated, right? So, so I'll show you as we go on. I mean, this is an overview, but basically if, you, if you're closer to the sound source that you want to record, in comparison to the rest of the, the noise, it'll be way quieter, cleaner, and you won't notice the, those kind of noises as much. And it won't be distracting, right? So the other thing with proximity is your environment, right? Planes and trains, fridges, right? All these things in your environment when you are doing the recording is it's going to be problematic because it'll get recorded onto your, whatever you're doing. Um, Tim has a great example of how did you record your narration for uh, that film that you entered in KISS? Because um, actually in my house I was using a USB one and I just had um, a stand there and there was a voice over. So he did the voice at the location, went back to my house and watched the film and he just basically mouthed what he was saying so he had to watch it. Yeah, so in, the, in his film though, um, what's his name? Timo. Timo is uh, standing beside a waterfall. Right? There's no way that you're going to get a clear audio. So he recorded where? At uh, Peterson Creek. No, no. And oh. When you re-recorded, sorry. Pardon me? Where you, when you re-recorded the oh, narration. Sorry, in my house. house. Where in your house? <laughs> where in your bed? <laughs> yeah, in the bedroom. Bed. In the closet. In the closet. So right? Pardon me. Yeah. Lots of nice, soft, absorbing <laughs> sound, right? So we, literally, this is the best place to go. Go yeah. into your closet with lots of, you know, there's lots of fabric. It's going to soak up all these other noises. And it'll be this perfect space. You're not going to get echoes and reflections, right? It was brilliant, right? Because then you had just this perfect, clean sound and didn't have to worry about the fridge that was outside or the planes driving by, right? 
So that's another way of isolating your the what the recorded sound that you want to capture onto the device, you know, from the environment. Right? You're trying to find a very very specific sound and record a sound, whether it's a voice or a ticking of a clock or a watch. I did one today with uh, Rob as an example later on, where uh, I got him to puff his inhaler. So I didn't just like go like this. Okay, Rob, go ahead. Right? I took the I took my small lav mic and actually put it right up beside his mouth. Right? It's nice proximity. You couldn't hear Bob talking in the background. It was all good. So proximity to that, and this is all it's all to do with that signal to noise ratio. Right? Trying to keep what you really want to hear, what you really want to record as as um, high fidelity as possible. Right? Um, anyway, a bunch of different types of microphones. Knowing your gear a little bit helps because certain microphones have what we call a different pickup pattern, right? So, show and tell time. So lots of big words, don't worry about it too much, but what you need to realize is something like this little lav, there's a little tiny microphone in here. What it, what it is called, this is called a omnidirectional. It records sounds from every direction at once. So it doesn't matter if you're pointing it down or up. It's actually better to point it down because then you don't get these post slips on it. So this, is, this would be an omnidirectional, right? All, all around. But this zoom mic, is, it has a very sharp, it's actually called, well, shotgun in here, but or, it's an extended hypercarderoid. So what that means is there's a, a source out front, like a big capture zone in front, and a little capture zone out back, and then all the side noises are dead, right? So that's why you see in the movies, they have the guys with the big boob holes, and they're not doing this, because then all the side sounds are going to, you know, get there too, or, or sorry, not side sounds, the back and front. So if there's something back behind your voice, you know, <laughs> behind you, you can hear it. So you would do it like this, right? So now all the, the sounds that are coming in this way get nullified, and you're only getting his voice, right? And again, proximity. You want this here, but can you do that in a, in a film all the time? No, because you've got to watch your frame, right? So they're always pulling out. And every now and then you see the, see the boom pole sneak in <laughs> on a badly shot film. <laughs> um, so just, just to give you an example of those two different types of pickup patterns, right? This one definitely is going to be probably a more carderoid, more like a heart shape, just kind of in front. It's not going to pick up a lot from back here, and that's why you know something like this you would actually you know get quite close and right in front of it. This one's not very good for. Did you bring yours? Yeah. This one's not very good for like a bunch of people in a room. Like you wouldn't if you're doing this. It's not. It's still not going to capture because it's still too much capturing this this way. So, but the one that uh, Alan's been using in all his all his shows, all the little videos that he's been showing, this one's definitely got a much bigger omnidirectional space, right? So it's been really good. You can just kind of place it wherever he wants. And it's good for on a table, get a lot of people around it or whatever. <laughs> Roughly how much would it cost to buy something of that quality? Because that is a very versatile mic. I don't yeah. think that was like uh, 70 bucks, I think. So not super cheap. Um, I'll say too, these things are great to have if you do a lot of Skype calls, teleconferencing, uh, webinars, online it, it's, it's an amazing difference over the microphone you'll likely have off your laptop. So it can be a nice investment. Yeah, the reason that, or I got that a friend recommended uh, because there's an attachment you can use to plug it into an iPad, so I can record right in my iPad with it. Yeah, it's nice that this one's actually made out of some, is that metal or plastic? It's pretty, pretty sturdy, so it's not going to break. Yeah. 
But it's good, yeah, you can put it wherever you want. There's a tripod mount on the bottom too, right? So you can put it on there. But there's a bunch, like you go to London Drugs and there's tons of these. And it's just, you know, how much money do you want to spend, right, on one of those? Um, so those kind of USB ones are great for that. Um, on campus here, I don't know if you guys want to know the difference between like a dynamic and a condenser. It's just the, the actual quality, right? So... Explain <laughs> it. No, no, it's good. So this would be more of a dynamic bike, right? Needs power. There's no, no battery in it. Right? But these are rugged, they're handheld, you can drop them. That's why you see these on stage all the time, right? The rock stars throwing them around, right? Because you're not going to break them that way, right? You can dent the heck out of this thing, it's, it's still fine on the inside. Um, but the, the, this one's much more sensitive on the inside, I don't, you don't want to drop this one, right? So it's, it's a condenser mic, so it uses electrostatic as well. And these ones especially, because they're tiny. These ones are really tiny, so they use electrostatic instead of moving parts. So that's how you can get, like the actual microphone on here if I pull this off. There's just that little capsule there, right? So you, you hide these all over the place. Like they, they use these on films as well, you know, hiding it. We'll talk about, I'll talk about how to mic placement and stuff in a second here. But we can go more, more in depth with that later. So we already talked about that. Um, all of these devices, as, as you're recording, You'll have little audio meters. I was going to put a picture of the audio meter up on there, but I forgot. How many has how many of you have actually used something like that actually can record audio or seen? Yeah, not this in particular, but any anything, right? So at the louder, you know, as you're talking, you see the little bars moving and they get close, right, to zero. When we're using these anything that's digital like this, you never ever want it to hit that zero part, because so that is a hard ceiling, right? And so if you're getting too loud and it's, it's actually clipping that, it'll, um, it'll, it should tell you some red lights. Yeah, see how the red lights are flashing there? So that's like warning you that that's clipping. So what's going to happen is, I'm going to draw this. But, um, so sounds are all like through the air, right? So it's all analog. So it's all just this nice waveforms, right? So imagine a nice, a nice S-curve, right? Well, when, they, when you're taking a digital device, it's going to sample that into sections, right? So all of a sudden you get little steps, right? You understand that? Is that too? So those steps, if you hit that ceiling, but the sound is actually louder than that, it's just going to clip right off and it's going to distort whatever sound you recorded, which is really bad if you're recording your voice, right? So a lot of some of these devices, like if you have some kind of handheld device or even on your camera, this one's got multiple inputs. So what I, I like to do is kind of ride, ride the levels a bit. So I have one channel that's recording what I want, and then the other channel recording just a little bit lower, just in case the person gets a little bit overexcited and starts yelling, and then it's not blowing out, right? And then you can switch to that audio sample, put that in, and it's not destroyed. It's a good backup, right? Belt suspenders. Um, so again, you know, it's always about quality, getting microphone close but not too close. This, uh, this is one of the Innovation Lab ones. We have three of these. You guys can borrow these anytime. Uh, these come with three different styles of microphones for the top, so you can just switch these off. Um, if you're using this and you are trying to record voices, you know, you want it close, but you need something like this to, to correct for those plosive sounds, the s and the f, right? So bob or whatever, right? So if it's up here nice and close, you're fine, but if it's going to say potato, that'll, that'll peak, right? But this thing will help. Will that spread help that with sound wind out. outside? This one will help with wind a little bit. We do have some furry ones for wind as well. These are the, 
dead cats, we call them, although these are more like little rats. We have we bought a bunch of these too, so if you are running around outside, because you have all these hard surfaces, right, and the wind will get, get on top of those, right? So they have these little cat things that you can just put right on top. And just what these do, very simple, just breaks up all that all that wind and just makes so that you know, all you're hearing is actual sound. Sorry, I had another one in there. It looks really funny too when you're little what's it, who's that promote Don King. Don King. You can, you can borrow the Don King hat. A little bit of Cornell West there. Yeah. <laughs> so then yeah, so it looks a little funny when you're interviewing, but but you you don't care about looks, right? You want you want the good sound, right? So that's good. I mean you could put those on anything really. Um, and then what I was saying with bracketing the recording, if you do have a device that can bracket it, which is recording two different channels, two different levels, right? Um, if you're recording onto your directly into Audacity, I don't think you can do that. Okay. There's only going to be one source, one signal source coming in. But you might be able to actually. Maybe there, there are so many layers to Audacity that I don't. Yeah. Um, Anyway, this, uh, the same mic, there's another uh, Zoom mic for that one, too, if you want to get some more more creative stuff. Uh, gonna, we don't really talk about editing software, but there's a bunch. Once you do capture your stuff, we'll talk more about this in the next week, I guess. But we'll have um, some links in the SoundCamp link, Sound links to some common uh, editing software. So Audacity is the one that we're probably going to work with the most. It's free. It's really robust. It's a really fine grain. You can get right in there to, to the minute sample and really, really tweak it. Um, GarageBand, every Mac should have GarageBand on it already. It's really good for podcasting. Uh, it's got some really nice built-in effects. It's very simple to use, and there's a million tutorials online. Uh, I'm not really familiar with CutMP3.net. It's a trimmer. Trimmer, yeah. yeah. You just, oh. Is that a web-based one? That's a web-based one, isn't it? No, I think it's a download, yeah. But it's just for doing very simple cuts? Very simple cut edits, yeah. yeah. There's a few on um, on the web. We'll try to collate a few more to have like a list of resources. But there's a few more web-based ones where you don't even, you know, you just upload it to the web and it just cuts it for you and whatever. Um, let's see. So the, the on-campus as well, they have these smaller units which are just a different generation of that big one I showed you. So these are all through uh, the campus um, media team, and I have a list of them. So there's a bunch. This one actually records video as well. There's a little video recorder there. It would be a really crappy video. You'd probably use your camera better, or your iPhone better. Uh, but there's a, they have a bunch of these different little ones. And these are all really good. They all work on uh, you know SD cards. They usually have a tripod mount. Some of them have different line outs or line ins. So you can even attach another microphone. Um, another really important thing is, while you are recording, make sure you're listening to what you're recording, right? So headphones are great. I, remember, I didn't bring a bunch of headphones, unfortunately, but um, it really helps if you're, if, when you're recording to actually listen to what you're recording, right? Because then, and pay attention, don't, you know, then you can start to hear that little ticking noise in the background, right? So, yeah. Anyway, so these are available on campus. We got a bunch of stuff. Um, these, yeah, these ones here. We have three, I think, of these right now. Although well, you got one permanently in your office space. It's not permanent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're using it very. Uh, I use it a lot. Yeah. Um, for gear, otherwise. And then you know, your phones. Like Brian said, there's a bunch of phones. 
Uh, I'm actually going to use this as a low note for now. It's not connected to the cellular network. So uh, you can just borrow this if you want to, and there's a couple uh, apps on here. So, But the problem with this is you need some kind of microphone, because you do not want to use the little microphone that's on there, right? Uh, one choice is there is a microphone built into most of the newer headphones, right? So when you're doing your walking and talking and somebody, you can use that. But like with every, all of these microphones, proximity is key, and be careful, especially with those handheld, like anything that's a lab-based or, or uh, these headphones, make sure they're secure, make sure that the cable isn't pulling, and it's not rubbing on clothing, right? So when I lab somebody, right, it's always like kind of as close as possible, somewhere secure like this. Um, I usually point it down just so that you're not getting those plosives. And I always loop, loop the cable up and over and clip the cable so that there's a little loop that's being held so that even if this part of the cable is jangling around, it's not going to pull on the actual microphone and then cause it to rub. Um, you'll notice, like, say, when, we, when if we are doing interviews with people and you're sitting down and you're talking to them... Um, oh, I missed that part in the planes, trains, and automobiles, but... You're doing an interview with somebody and you're sitting across the desk from them and then... Uh, you don't have any... <laughs> So I'm like, hey, how, how is it today? And he's moving around, and you're, you're shaking, you know, he's moving like this, and he's like, oh, you know, I had the worst day ever, and he's laughing, and maybe he's got cufflinks, and they keep banging on the table. Like, be aware of the situation you're in and what that person sounds like, right? Because everybody sounds, not just their voice, right? So it's their clothing, what they're wearing. Um, I was recording uh, some guy the other day. He's fine, got the room all set up and everything, and then had a lab on him, and he starts doing this. And I don't know what was wrong with that guy's hands. He had like sandpaper on his hands because it was so loud. And I was like, you could barely hear it. Like if I was standing and talking to Brian, I wouldn't be able to hear it. But because he was right like this in front of the microphone, it was totally wrecked. The, the audio takes. So I had to talk to him about it right away and, and, and get, that off, get that off. Have you talked about the setting your levels? Um, I was going to kind of maybe, okay. yeah, do that a little bit okay. once we kind of hand out some gear and stuff. Okay. Um, and we'll get you to kind of come up and look at stuff and get some hands-on before we send you off. Um, what else do I need to say before we go into challenges? What are the most common mistakes? Um, not paying attention to what's happening around you. Um, that can come to even, like, you know, like say you have clipped somebody, in, but then they get up and they move away, and then they come back and, the, and it's fallen off, right? That's, that happens. you got to pay attention. Um, you're doing one of these, and then you do you're doing you know tapping this right. Any physical contact that's anything touched to the mic is gonna is gonna ruin it, right? Um, I don't know what it, um, you know recording too hot or too low, right? If you're so we'll we'll try to uh, show you if you guys come up, and I'll look at some of the the recording levels. Oh, you need a key to get out. Wow. <laughs> no, you can't leave. <laughs> You can check it any time you want. Yeah. <laughs> leave whenever you want. You must record before you leave. <laughs> I, I'll just say, just to underline, um, I, Alan and I went for a hike to do a little bit of ambient sound recording in the woods, and we took one of the Zoom recorders, which I had never used before. Um, and uh, we had this really interesting experience where we were up on top of Tower Hill and looking down on the city, and you could just hear the city humming. And it's really striking. You realize you're in that all the time. You think, you think it's quiet, even, but from up, to, you could just, it was just like it was an engine humming down there. But anyway, so I, 
tried to record a little bit of that, and I thought, given that I'm in a silent place uh, and recording a sound quite far away that was quite subtle, I cranked the gain up. And um, I, was, I was shocked at just how easy it is to clip it. And even when I turned it down to where I could see the levels seemed okay, um, it, it ended up clipping. So actually, I'll probably post the recording of it on the site just so you can hear what Well, I think that speaks to John's point about uh, monitoring what you're recording with headphones. Because right. the assumption is that if I'm interviewing, interviewing Gail and I'm not wearing headphones, what I'm hearing in the room is what's going to whatever recording device I'm using, the audio recording. And that's not the case at all. And like John mentioned with hands, you know, it, it sounds perfectly natural. You see somebody doing this, you totally excuse the sound, but in all likelihood the videotape is trained, you know, stir them up and we don't see the guy's hands. And so as a viewer you're going, what the hell is that noise? So if you're not actually listening to what you're recording, not to the area you're in and all the sounds, but what you're recording, that's why it's so important to monitor that that particular image. And it goes to, like, your purpose. I mean, you might be yeah. doing something casual, but I think what John's talking about is, like, really starting to try to pay attention. Because, you know, like, the subtle sounds of, of the hum of the background or someone in the next room maybe tapping away on a keyboard, you might say, I don't really hear that. Uh, but, like, practice your, like, noticing those small skills when you're in certain places and just stop and listen and say, if I was going to record here, you know, could I manage with this background or... Do I need to be like really anal and get myself isolated? Um, depending if you want a clean sound. Yeah, and, and, and do your best for that. But it, it can become much more problematic if you're doing much longer takes and you're trying to edit pieces together temporarily out of place, right? So say the fridge, because the fridge, fridges are notorious because they kick in and out, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're loud, sometimes they're not. So you're interviewing your grandmother for three hours and about all this great stuff, and then the fridge kicks in but you know when you set up your recording, it wasn't there, and then it kicks in, and it's, it's there for 20 minutes, kicks out again. But then you're like, oh, this little bit here, I'd really like to marry with this other bit, and all of a sudden that sentence and that sentence don't sound the same because the, you, know, and you really can tell that they've been edited, and and then it really throws the listener way out, right? Like you want to that consistent bed as much as you can, add noise later, later to you know even it out if you want. But it's just about control, being aware of your environment. You know, it, it get as fussy as you want, right? But just be aware that it'll cause you grief later on if you're not paying attention at the time, right? Like, that's why what somebody said to me in another workshop, there's like, the button is red because it wants you to stop before you push it, right? <laughs> stop and think before you hit go, right? It's not green, right? So all the recording buttons are red for that. Um, so, yeah, we'll gather everybody up. Play around, but before that, so we've got a bunch of challenges that we want you guys to do over the next week. Uh, make a composition based on a single sound source. I got some examples. Um, do an interview with somebody. Interview yourself, right? Um, collecting sounds for a sound effect story. Uh, just run around, get get a bunch of sound effects, build yourself a library, whether you find them on the web or record them yourself, and then try to build a story from that later. Uh, and then on, sound, on the SoundCamp page, which we'll send you out again, there's a bunch of examples of what we've done within the SoundCamp of people making fake commercials, uh, building stories just based on found sounds. Uh, he's got a great, Alan's got a great thing where he's got some black and white clips of the old Chaplin videos. And uh, so we want you to take those and build the Foley, build the sound effects, build, you know, add whatever sound effects you want to it to make it come alive and not just be a silent movie anymore. 
Uh, and you had another example of going around the environment that you're in and, and capturing what, what is that ambient audio? What it, like, you know, we always talk about smells as a, as a, scent, as a memory trigger, right? You know, you walk in and you're like, oh, that smell of rain reminds me of that. The sounds can work that way too, right? So if you capture what, say, in this example, your work environment sounds like to you, it's a very, you know, selective and thought-provoking process. Um, find your soundtrack, right? Just kind of build an audio, a narration of, or well, however you want to do it, with narration or, or sound effects. Some kind of soundtrack to your life, I guess. So also on the website, besides the material that we've talked about today, too, we've also linked to sources of third-party sound. So two that I'd highlight would be the Free Sound Library, which is a collection of sound effects and ambient recordings. So if you're looking for the texture of a racetrack, they, they have that, and it's all copyright-free. Um, and then another one, which is more musical, but it's the Free Music Archive, which is a place where you get Creative Commons licensed music. And what I like about it is it's actually curated. So I can't, for example, upload my music to it. Um, CDC Radio 3 are one of the curators. WFMU is a curator. KXP out of Seattle. Uh, some interesting international record labels. So it's actual, you know, high quality music and very high quality formats that you can legally use in your in your recordings. 